Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and we've got, of course, my co-pilot, co-host, and great friend Leanne Whippen is with us today, and Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. So we talked about this, Meathead, prior to the show, uh, before we hit record. But over the years, you have done so many deep dives on subjects, so many uh great articles that you've done the research with you and professor blounder and clint and um all your team there but you've really done the lion's share of it okay so a couple of things what is the biggest myth you think you've dispelled on amazing ribs well you know we we did chat briefly about it before we came on air and i think the most important one is we determined what causes the stall. Right. But the one that I think has created the greatest controversy and blowback is beer can chicken. So let's do the stall first. Um, If anybody has ever cooked pork butt or brisket or to a lesser extent some ribs, mostly pork butt and brisket, uh, if you're cooking low and slow in the 250 to 225 range, which is where a lot of us recommend you keep the temperature Um, because when you cook hot, the fibers of the meat contract and squeeze out juices. So a lot of people cook down in that low temperature range. What happens is, is somewhere around the time the meat hits somewhere between 150 and 170 and the internal temperature, it stops going up and the temperature, the thermometer just sticks. It stalls. And if you're a newbie, it freaks you out. Um, And I'll never forget my first pork butt. It totally freaked me out. Um, And it sticks there and it can stick there for an hour. And so there was the general consensus was is that it was caused by um, the fat rendering or perhaps connective tissue converting to gelatin. And uh, but nobody really knew for sure. And around that time, this was when early on in the history of AmazingRibs.com, Professor Greg Blonder, a physicist, uh, he was head of research at AT AT&T. He's now at Boston University. Um, He is a barbecue lover, in fact, a a fine chef. Um, And uh, he and I were friends and we communicated. And uh, I said, let's come up with some experiments and figure out what causes this stall? So he created some experiments and did some tests and they're really excellent uh, tests. And they prove beyond a shadow of doubt that it's not fat or connective tissue. It's evaporative cooling. And what that means is, is as you're cooking, 
moisture evaporates from the surface of the meat. That's perfectly logical. Um, it's hot inside that oven if it's at 225, 250. Um, uh, meat is mostly water, 75% water most of the time. And so moisture evaporates and that accounts for some of the shrinkage. Um, and while the water evaporates, it cools the meat, just like when you're outside cutting the lawn on a hot day and you sweat, it cools you down. And so the meat cools and as it's evaporating, it's cooling at the same rate that it's heating up from the warm air inside the cooker. And you get to a point where you reach a stasis where the cooling rate and the heating rate are the same. And that's what causes the stall. It stops heating until the surface dries out, until most of the moisture evaporates from the surface. Now, the meat deep down inside stays plenty wet, but the surface will tend to dry out. And that's your bark. And everybody loves the bark. That's the crust where all your rubs and spices and the sugars and everything are, and you get this marvelous crust. It's essentially like jerky. Um, and um, that's what causes the stall. And what happens is, is finally when the surface gets dry enough, then the temperature on the inside will start going up because the inside temperature is controlled by the layers on the outside of the meat. Um, you know, there's an old saying that if you're looking, you ain't cooking. And, and, and that is a myth also, because people uh, are, have been under the impression that if you lift the lid on your smoker or your grill, you're letting all the hot air out, and that's going to cool the meat off so that it will lengthen the time of cooking. Well, what happens is, is the hot air cooks the outside of the meat, not the inside of the meat. It can't get down inside. Air can't penetrate the meat. So the hot air cooks the outside of the meat. And as the outside of the meat heats up, it's like a battery or a capacitor. That energy in the outside of the meat is what cooks the inside of the meat. It passes that energy down into the center. So as you lift the lid, all the hot air comes out and it slightly cools the surface of the meat. But it doesn't really affect the deep center of the meat because the deep center of the meat is still being cooked by the outside of the meat. And so we, we, Dr. Blonder and I also did some tests and, and proved that. So um, those, have, those were very controversial when we first started publishing this information. And a lot of old-timey barbecue guys really did not like the idea, did not accept the concept. We got a lot of blowback. I think it's generally now accepted. I think, you know, a few folks haven't gotten the word, um, but it's generally now widely understood that it's evaporative cooling. And uh, that, that was, I think, one of the, the, the first big myth that we busted that really caused a lot of attention. I think and, one that's going to ruin people's Labor Day because I'm sure they're going to be doing the, the beer can chicken or whatever. Uh, so if anyone has it on the menu, you might want to listen to what Meathead has to say about that. <laughs> well, the beer can chicken, first of all, I, I, I'm, I'm about to tell you that beer can chicken doesn't work the way you think it works. And you're going to tell me, but my beer can chicken's wonderful. Everybody loves it. Of course they love it. And you know why? Because it's roast chicken and everybody loves roast chicken. But the beer can and the beer have nothing to do with it. Here's what happens. First of all, you stick that beer up the butt of the chicken. Woo! Now, you've got these metal sides. Mm -hmm. The beer is trapped inside those metal cans. So it can't go out the sides of the can, can it? But it could possibly, in theory, 
come out the top of the can. Now, if it wants to come out of the top of the can, the only part of the meat that it's going to make contact with is the interior of the shoulder. It's not making contact with anything that this, the middle mm -hmm. can is in contact with. But the problem is, is that that chicken comes out of the refrigerator at about 38 degrees Fahrenheit. And so you put a beer can up its butt, even if it's room temp, and the chicken becomes a koozie. It's a chicken koozie. You know, you take a beer can mm -hmm. and you put a yep. little tiny piece of foam rubber around it to keep it cold, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this is a piece of meat. This is 75% water, a three and a half pound chicken koozie. That's 38 degrees and it's slowly warming. And it's done when it hits 160 to 170 degrees. Now, what time temperature does water boil at? 212. 212. Beer is 90% or more water. It doesn't boil till 212. It'll start to simmer in the 180 to 190 range. You might get a little steam but it's not gonna simmer or boil or create steam at 160 to 170. And in fact, what happens is, is some of the juices which contain fat drip down into the can and create a fat layer on top of the beer. And oftentimes, if you'll take the can out and weigh it before you go into the, it goes into the chicken and after it comes out of the chicken, it'll weigh more because of the juices going in and there's nothing coming out. Right. And, and 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 as I said, even if it could come out, it would only contact that little bit of meat in the shoulder at the top of the can. Mm -hmm. And it get and it gets even more problematic. A chicken is 75 percent water. It's fully saturated. There's no room for water in there. You could take a chicken breast and stick it in a tub of beer and take it out, rinse it with water and cook it and taste it, you won't taste beer because the beer cannot penetrate it. It's fully saturated. It's like a sponge, fully saturated. So the beer and the beer can don't do anything to improve the flavor of the chicken whatsoever. They do make it look cool when it sits there on its little hind end, like a little Buddha. And that is the cutest thing. And when I wrote this up, oh my God, you can't believe the blowback we got from people who worship that little Buddha, who think that that beer can chicken is God. And, you know, I, I, it, it, their, their, their attempts to disprove me are just hysterical. If you go to AmazingRibs.com and type beer can chicken in the search box, all the comments from people at the bottom are just hysterical. The article is quite thorough. There's, you know, pictures of chickens with thermometer probes all over the place right and it's quite indisputable well i you know i think there's an advantage to it i mean you have to admit um it makes it beautiful you know 360 degrees around the chicken you know what i mean and it's cooking mm -hmm. a little more evenly the dark meat is closer to your heat source maybe mm -hmm. so that has to you know that's more forgiving and mm -hmm. you know you know what i mean so i think it has advantages i think it looks cool uh, but I hear what you're saying. Honestly, I wouldn't even want the flavor of beer in my chicken. <laughs> That's another point. Beer has bitterness to it. Yeah. Um, I think if you want to, well, first of all, when you also think about it, you take that beer can out, the interior of that chicken, the cavity is quite pale. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what happens is, is the temperature rises, as I was just describing, the hot air cooks the outside and the outside cooks the inside. And the temperature rises as the um, uh, the, the uh, energy progresses from the outer layers to the center. 
Well, when you put that beer can in there, it takes a while for the temperature to reach the end, the cavity. Mm -hmm. If you take the beer can out, hot air gets into the cavity and it can penetrate the meat from both sides. So it'll cook faster and you'll have a, um, a moister chicken. In my world, the best tasting chicken is one that you cut up into individual pieces, your leg and your thigh piece together or separate because they're best at around 170 degrees. Your breast is best at around 160 degrees. And so now you can cook them separately, take them off at optimum temperature. You'll get both sides brown and brown is flavor. And you don't get brown when you got a beer can on the interior. Mm -hmm. It's quite ugly and tan. Um, you can season both sides so you can get your rub on the interior of the breast meat and everything. Um, and uh, it cooks faster and you get moisture chicken. So um, I, in my world, uh, break it down. And I, I hate to do it, tell you, I do that now with my Thanksgiving turkey. I know you do. Yeah. And, 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 and it has caused some controversy in the family until they taste it. Well, what I can't figure out is this. If you just if you'd never done this before, but you actually pick up your chicken and look at his butt uh, and everybody has seen this that now, wait a minute, don't give me that look. Uh, <laughs> that's all the same inside is like cartilage. That's in that cavity. There's no soft tissue exposed in that cavity. It's all hard. And nothing's going to permeate that. Well, it, it, it actually, um, to disagree, okay. down by the thigh area, you have exposed meat. It's up by the um, uh, the breast, the breast meat area where the ribs are. You have the same um, pleura, the, 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 right. the, um, the skin coating that's like on the back of a slab of pork ribs. On a chicken, it's much thinner and more delicate. You eat it easily, but the pleura is there, and it, it, it's a membrane that coats the interior of the ribs, and that's what holds the organs of the animal together. But down by the thighs and the uh, legs, you, you do have bare meat. Well, it it just doesn't seem like it's a to me. It's just a waste of a good beer. So <laughs> well, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you know white... what? Uh, I, I hate to jump back to this, but I'm curious. You were talking about um, the moisture evaporating from the, the brisket, the outside of the brisket. Do you think in your testing, did you try cooking with a water pan versus not a water pan to yes. slow down the evaporation and maybe slow down or increase the stall? And what did that do? Yeah, this is another one. This is another myth. Um, I know you've cooked on every cooker known to man, mm -hmm. and I know you have done this. Go over to the chimney of, let's say, a uh, uh, an offset cooker mm -hmm. and put your hand over that chimney. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of air moving through there. Mm -hmm. When you burn wood or charcoal, you have essentially two, two ingredients, the fuel, wood or charcoal, and oxygen. And it takes a lot of air to burn wood or charcoal, and especially to burn it at a high temp and get clean blue smoke. There is so much air moving through a, 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 a grill or a smoker with the exception of an electric, mm -hmm. which doesn't have combustion. But when there's combustion, there's a ton of air being used. So you take a water pan and put it in there. And first of all, you've got to get it up to a high temperature for moisture to come out. Not much does. 
And there's just not enough moisture coming out of there to raise the humidity. And we've tested this too. The humidity of the interior of that um, cooker just doesn't go up. All that moisture goes right up the chimney. So it doesn't raise the temperature one bit. It doesn't moisturize the chicken one bit. If you want, or the chicken, the brisket. If you want to moisturize the brisket, you spritz it or 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 brush it, um, uh, baste it. But that water pan does serve a function, and it's interesting. It serves actually two functions. Number one, water can't go hotter than two twelve, and then it boils. Two twelve is the, the 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 peak temperature for water. So it helps moderate the temperature. And if you've got something like a Weber Smoky Mountain, which is a long vertical tube and it has a water pan built in right above the charcoal, mm -hmm. that helps you keep the temperature down so it doesn't get too hot. The other thing is, is when you take that brisket out of the fridge at 38 degrees, it's cold. And you put it in a smoker. And we've talked about this before. Cold surfaces attract smoke. And so the same thing, same phenomenon is when you get out of the shower and your mirror is all fogged up. The moisture, the moisture in the in the steam sticks to that cold mirror. Well, the moisture and the um, compounds in your smoke stick to cold meat, and it also sticks to wet surfaces better than dry surfaces. Now you take that meat, which is thirty-eight degrees, and you put a water pan under it. What, some water does evaporate. Some water will get condensed on the surface of the meat, just like your mirror, mm -hmm. because it's colder than the air inside. So you'll get condensation, not much, but just enough to make the surface sticky. So now you have cold, wet surface, which meat, which smoke loves. So all this talk about you take your meat out of the fridge and let it sit and come to room temp. Well, first of all, it takes a brisket hours to come to room temp. If you put a thermometer in the brisket and watch the temperature, it'll take like four hours to come to room temp. Meanwhile, the little bacteria are having a party. Um, mm -hmm. But if you take it out of the fridge and put it in the uh, smoker, it's cold and it's wet. And it's going to attract more smoke and more flavor. There you go. Um, you haven't done the lightning round in a long time. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> we have some new questions I don't think he's had. Yeah. So uh oh no oh, come on it'll be it'll all be no, good. no questions about marriage no nope. no 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 okay <laughs> if you were on death row what would your last meal be ah <sighs> this is a tough one um i am allergic to my favorite food I, I love soft shell crabs. I'm allergic to crab, lobster, shrimp, oh my and gosh. crawfish. And I used to eat them all the time when I lived in Florida. And when I found I was allergic, I contemplated suicide. So I think if I was on death row, I would cheat the hangman <laughs> and have a big meal of soft shell crabs. Well, I've never they heard would kill it. me. <laughs> well, I saw that on a TV show where a guy had an allergy uh, against uh, peanut butter. And they asked him and he didn't want to. He knew he was going to the big house and all that. So they asked him what he, they could get him to eat. And he said a peanut butter sandwich. And they came back in and he was he was gone. So how about that? Um, 
what are you going to do when you retire? If you retire, you know, um, I have, I love what I do. I, 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 I my job is my greatest skill set. I, I write, I cook, I photograph, I manage a small business. Um, I, I, managing a business is not necessarily my favorite thing, but I've gotten decent at it. Um, I, I don't plan to retire anytime soon. I'm 73. Um, I, I, I am turning over more and more of control to my team, Clint Cantwell, who's a brilliant uh, cook and turned out to be a great right hand. He's taking over more and more of it, especially now that I'm working on another book. When the book is done, I plan to go back and get some traveling done. I love to travel. I love to see the world. I love to eat food of other countries. And COVID has just, you know, prevented that. And now I'm on a book deadline and that's preventing it. So I'm hoping when the book deadline, March 1st rolls around and I turn in my manuscript, I've already told my editor I'm going to disappear for a month. So any changes and edits, it'll have to wait till I get back. Um, And then we go through that process. Um, And I think I'll slow down. Um, I'm your classic small business entrepreneur and Leanne knows what this Mm -hmm. is all about. I've been working seven days a week for like 40 plus years. Right. Seven. Right. And that's not a joke. I mean, seven days a week. I may take an hour or two or three, well, three hours to watch a football game on the weekends or something. Um, uh, I love to travel and I haven't done any in like three or four years. So I would like to slow down to five days and that's give nice. Clint and the team more, more control and uh, take some time off and, and and do more travel and relax. But you'll find me dead at my keyboard. Okay. With soft well, shell crab in my hand. Well, <laughs> we're not looking forward to that. Because day. that'll be what killed you. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. If you had to start your career all over again, what would you do? That's a really good question. And I've talked about this Um there's a great myth in this country about entrepreneurship that if you watch the, uh, the, um, the shark tank and anything like that, mm-hmm. the entrepreneur, the small businessman is who America's shoulders stands on. And I have found that it is a very difficult path, um, a tremendous responsibility. I have stayed awake at night worrying that Richard's, uh, pregnant wife, uh, uh, how are they going to feed their baby if we don't meet, you know, payroll? And right. uh, um, uh, that is just it, it. And then settling arguments between employees, um, taxes, all that stuff. Again, I, I know Leanne has been down this road. Mm-hmm. She's owned a number of restaurants. She's had partners. Um, st- I've had stockholders. It is just a torturous path. And it I is. don't you know never that get I... to relax. Yeah. Yeah. Never. Your conscience never leaves you alone. My business is in my home. I mean, you and I are, we're all talking on zoom. I'm in a spare bedroom of my house, which is my office. It's crammed to the hilt. It's right next to the dining room. When I get done with dinner, I can see the computer glowing and I know there's work to be done. Um, I, I wonder if I had to do it over again, I used to be in the wine business. I was a wine uh, a, a buyer and 
I was offered some really nice jobs as a sales rep in the wine. I, I, I often think back if I hadn't taken the entrepreneurial path, how much different my life would be if I'd taken a nine to five job with health care and vacations. And I might choose that path. If anybody's listening out there and you hate your boss and you hate your job and you're thinking about going off on your own, you'd better have a heck of a plan. Write that business plan and think it through carefully. Call me. Call me. <laughs> Call yeah. Leanne. We'll talk mm -hmm. you out of it. We'll take you down <laughs> off of that ledge. Yeah, that yeah. is true. I've had some partners in different <laughs> ventures over the years. And Leanne, do you feel similarly? I do. Um, I do feel like at this point in my life, because I did get out of the restaurants last year. And so my life has really changed a lot. And I've already it's a different kind of stress level because I still haven't wound down from that. I don't know when I'll actually relax because I've just used to going, going, going. So um, even with downtime that I have, I feel still like I'm doing other things, but not working in the restaurant. So it's the mindset, I guess. There you go. Oh, me had to do something there. Um, See, that's part of the business. He has to get on the phone. He has to take the calls. He can't yeah. even do a, a podcast without interruption. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, well, that's, that's good to know from him. Yeah, it is. It is. I've been, um, I've worked for three different, actually as an employee, three different entities in my life. All of them were short-lived. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. I went, you know, because I started the day after I graduated from college in my own stuff and just stuck with it that way. Uh, took a lot of hits at times, but I'm not sure I would change because I've had a very interesting life. And uh, but there is a lot of merit to what Meathead is saying there, that security, which when you're sitting at the helm of a small business you're the security that people look to mm -hmm. like that so that's it um if you could uh cook and then dine with a historical figure who would it be meathead uh ben franklin or thomas jefferson maybe julia child um i think ben franklin um well franklin and jefferson they were both kind of science geeks like I am and they were um, inventors and entrepreneurs and uh, uh clever fellas uh Julia because um she's Julia I, Julia um she's Julia yeah I watched Julia when I was in college um she was on television in the mornings and I would schedule my morning classes so I could watch Julia um, so, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, they, they, I think those would be the, the, the ones I, that'd be a great dinner party too. Absolutely. Um, how about, how about you guys? Boy, I think I would do, <laughs> I'm a little twisted about some things. I would do George Custer and find out Ooh. why he was such an asshole. And I can <laughs> say that cause this is only on internet. Um, Lincoln, probably. Oh, man. you know, I thought he would be a real interesting person to have talked with and found out. So like, like that, uh, maybe Teddy Roosevelt, 
He, oh, now you have a Teddy Roosevelt look, you know. Yeah, I do. Kind you got hurt. that little uh, walrusy mustache. And- yeah. So um, those guys, because they all, they even 150 years later and then going forward, you know, they they still have affected our lives. And so I just like to, to do that. Leanne? Truly a child for sure. And yeah. Anthony Bourdain. Oh, Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a good never one. Never got to meet him. And yeah, that's that would be my top two. I met him for about 30 seconds. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, Meathead. If you were an animal, what would it be and why? Oh my god. I do, I haven't ever thought of this, but I'm a dog person. We train puppies for leader dogs for the blind as a hobby. Um, I am a great fan of dogs. Um, uh, we have two dogs. Um, uh, they're, they're, the, the, we, we have an old dog, 12-year-old golden, and a young dog, an 18-month lab. And that 18-month lab, she gets up in the morning and she is full of joy. She is <laughs> she thrilled to be alive and she is just <laughs> full of energy. And that kind of joy is it, it rubs off. It's contagious. Makes sure. me feel good. Okay, last one. If we put your skills to music, what would the music be? Oh my god! I think this is one of the hardest ones. One of my favorite songs is "On the Sunny Side of the Street." Okay. Um, I used to walk in the shade, my blues on parade, but I'm not afraid. This rover's crossed over. Um, grab your coat, grab your hat, leave your worries on the doorstep, just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Meathead Goldwyn, everybody from Amazing Ribs, uh, amazingribs.com. If you have a question, that's the place to go find the answer. It's kind of like the Encyclopedia Britannica of barbecue and food questions right there. Meathead, And thing. you can thank me for not singing that. I uh, that go. <laughs> you'll get another Christmas box from me this year. Enjoy that. Uh, for Leanne Whippen and myself, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Take care, everybody, and remember our motto: Turn it, don't burn it. See you later. <laughs>